Hello and welcome back to Bits and Bobs podcast. And my name is Elima. I'm the um, host of this podcast. And thank you so much for tuning in and listening in. So I came across this story. It's a very popular story. And I remember um, having our teachers read it, read it out to us when I was a child um, in primary school. And it's a story of Bluebeard. But this time, this has been sort of narrated in a very adult and very literally way and um, it has given a whole new meaning to the story whereas before it was just a fairy tale um, solely for entertainment but it turns out there's a whole meaning behind the story. So since we're all talking about mental health and mental health resilience especially um, with respect to women um, I am going to recite this story and then we will continually um, refer back to it as we go along through our episodes, um, depending on what we talk about. So, um, there is a hank of beard which is kept at the convent of white nuns in the far mountains. How it came to the convent, no one knows. Why the nuns would keep such a relic is unknown as well, but it definitely is true. They say the beard is blue, indigo coloured to be exact. It is as blue as the dark ice in the lake, as blue as the shadow of a hole at night. This beard was once worn by one who they say was a failed magician, a giant man with an eye for women, a man known by the name of Bluebeard. Now, it was said he courted three sisters at the same time, but they were frightened of his beard with his old blue cast, odd blue cast, sorry, and so they hid when he called. In an effort to convince them of his geniality, he invited them on an outing in the forest. He arrived leading horses, arrayed in bells and crimson ribbons. He set the sisters and their mother upon the horses and off they cantered into the forest. There they had the most wonderful day riding and their dogs ran beside and ahead. Later they stopped beneath a giant tree and Bluebeard regaled them with stories and fed them dainty treats. Now, Bluebeard was doing this to the three sisters who he was courting at the same time and their mother. The sisters began to think, well, perhaps this man Bluebeard is not so bad after all. They returned home and all they could talk about was how interesting the day had been. Yet the two older sisters' suspicions and fears returned and they vowed not to see Bluebeard again. Their gut instincts kicked in and they listened to them. But the youngest sister thought if a man could be that charming, then perhaps he was not so bad. The more she talked to herself, the less awful he seemed. And also, incidentally, the less blue his beard became. So when Bluebeard asked for her hand in marriage, she accepted. Bluebeard instinctively saw that of all the three sisters, the youngest one was more susceptible to his charms. So without further ado, he asked for her hand in marriage. She had given his proposal great thought and felt she was to marry a very elegant man. Marry they did and after rode off to his castle in the woods. One day he came to her and said, I must go away for a time. Invite your family here if you like. You may ride in the woods, charge the cooks to set a feast. You may do anything you like, anything at all your heart desires. In fact, here is my ring of keys. You may open any and every door to the storerooms, the money rooms, any door in the castle. But this little tiny key, 
the one with the scroll work on it, do not use. His bride replied, Yes, I will do as you ask. It all sounds very fine. So go, my dear husband, and do not have a worry, and come back soon. And so off he rode, and she stayed. Her sisters came to visit, and they were, as all souls are, very curious about what the master had said was to be done while he was away. The young wife gaily told them, He said we may do anything we desire and enter any room we wish, except just the one. But I don't know which one it is. I just have a key and I don't know which door it fits. The sisters decided to make a game of finding which key fit which door. The castle was three stories high with a hundred doors in each wing. And as there were many keys on the ring, they crept from door to door, having an immensely good time throwing open each door. Behind one door were the kitchen stores, behind another, the money stores. All manner of holdings were behind the doors and everything seemed more wonderful all the time. At last, having seen all these marvels, they came finally to the cellar and at the end of the corridor, a blank wall. They puzzled over the last key, the one with the little scroll work on top. Maybe this key doesn't fit anything at all, they said. As they said this, they heard an odd sound. Urgh. They picked, peeked around the corner and lo and behold, there was a small door just closing. When they tried to open it again, it was firmly locked. One cried, Sister, sister, bring your key. Surely this is the door for that mysterious little key. Without a thought, one of the sisters put the key in the door and turned it. The lock scolded. The door swung open, but it was so dark inside they could not see. Sister, sister, bring a candle. So a candle was lit and held into the room. And all three women screamed at once, for in the room was a mire of blood and the blackened bones of corpses were flung about and skulls were stacked in corners like pyramids of apples. They slammed the door shut, shook the key out of the lock and leaned against one another gasping, breast heaving. My God, my God. The wife looked down at the key and saw that it was stained with blood. Horrified, she used the skirt of her gown to wipe it clean, but the blood prevailed. Oh no, she cried. Each sister took the tiny key in her hands and tried to make it as it once was, but the blood remained. The wife hid the tiny key in her pocket and ran to the cook's kitchen. When she arrived, her white dress was stained red from blood. She ordered the cook, quick, give me some horse hair. She scoured the key, but it would not stop bleeding. Drop after drop of pure red blood issued from the tiny key. She took the key outdoors and from the oven she pressed ashes onto it and scrubbed some more. She held it to the heat to sear it. She laid cobweb over it to staunch the flow, but nothing could make the weeping blood subside. Oh, what am I to do? she cried. I know, I'll put the little key away. I'll put it in the wardrobe and I'll close the door. This is a bad dream. Everything's going to be just fine. And she did that. Her husband came home the very next morning and he strode into the castle calling for his wife. Well, how was it while I was away? It was very fine, sir. 
And how are my storerooms, he rumbled. Very fine, sir. How are my money rooms, he growled. The money rooms are very fine also, sir. <coughs> so, everything is good, wife? Yes, sir. Everything is hunky-dory. Wow, he whispered. Then you'd best return my keys. Within a glance, he saw that there was a key missing. Where is the smallest key? I, I lost it. Yes, I lost it. I was out riding and the key ring fell down and I must have lost a key. What have you done with it, woman? I, 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 I don't remember. Don't lie to me. Tell me what you did with the key. He put his hand to her face as if to caress her cheek, but instead seized her hair. You infidel, he snarled and threw her to the floor. You've been into the room, haven't you? He threw open her wardrobe and the little key on the top shelf had bled blood red down all the beautiful skills, silks of her gowns hanging there. Now it's your turn, my lady, he screamed and dragged her down the hall and into the cellar till they were before the terrible door. Bluebeard merely looked at the door with his fiery eyes and the door opened for him. There lay the skeletons of all his previous wives. And now, he roared, but she caught hold of the door, fro door frame and would not let it go. She pleaded for her life. Please, please, allow me to compose myself and prepare for my death. Give me but a quarter of an hour before you take my life so I can make my peace with God. Well, all right, he snarled. You have but a quarter of an hour, but be ready. The wife raced up the stairs to her chamber and posted her sisters on the castle ramparts. She knelt to pray, but instead called out to her sisters. Sisters, sisters, do you see our brothers coming? We see nothing, nothing on the open plains. Every few moments she cried up to the ramparts. Sisters, sisters, do you see our brothers coming? We see a whirlwind, perhaps a dust devil in the distance. Meanwhile, Bluebeard roared for his wife to come to the cellar so he could behead her. Again she called out, Sisters, sisters, do you see our brothers coming? Bluebeard shouted for his wife again and began to clomp up the stone steps. Her sisters cried out, Yes, we see them. Our brothers are here and they've just entered the castle. Bluebeard strode down the hall towards his wife's chamber. I am coming to get you, he bellowed. His footfalls were dense. The rocks in the hallway came loose. The sand from the mortar poured onto the floor. As Bluebeard lumbered into her chamber with his hands outstretched to seize her, her brothers on horseback galloped down the castle hallway and charged into her room as well. There they routed Bluebeard out into the parapet. There and then, with swords, they advanced upon him, striking and slashing, cutting and whipping, beating Bluebeard down to the ground, killing him at last and leaving for the buzzards his blood and gristle. The end. Now, I found the story particularly interesting, especially uh, considering where it's coming from. It's coming from a book by Clarissa Pincola Estes, and it's called Women Who Run with, with, with the Wolves, which is essentially a survival guide um, advising women on how to listen to their intuition and to release their power, the power that they have within to so the outside world. 
So for now, we're going to concentrate on the story of Bluebeard. And we'll be referring back to it as we go along through our episodes and, and through our segment rather um, for the mental health and well-being, um, especially as women um, and especially putting into cognizance and into cognizance. Yes, cognizance is the best word. <laughs> into cognizance, um, the kind of trials and tribulations that we have to go through and how important it is for us to listen to our gut instincts and to develop mental health resilience. So yes, just refer this back to, and when you listen to all the other episodes, this is the story I'll be talking about. Just have a listen so you can have a full context of um, what I'll be talking about. Thank you.